welcome back to the latest episode of Real Early. My name is Larry Sternshine, and on this episode is my guest, Candy the Final Girl. Candy is the founder and host of the extremely popular podcast about horror films, The House That Screams. The show is currently in their fifth season of fantastic and fun discussion of horror films, both old and new. I've had the pleasure of guesting on a few episodes, including, and to toot my own horn for a second, their most downloaded episode on The Thing. In addition to the podcast, Allison is also the co-owner of the horror-themed makeup line with friend and fellow house co-host Erica Wright. Their goal was to connect their two passions, beauty and horror, and I believe everybody listening would love their creations, so click the link to their site in the show notes. In this episode, we talk about how her mom's video store opened up her whole world to horror, why having an open dialogue between parent and child about movies is so important, and much more. It's a great episode, so without further wait, Candy the Final Girl. Uh, Candy, hey, how you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, so, Candy, the final girl, is my guest this week from the House of Screams podcast, and I'm excited to have you on because you are one of the. I think you might have actually been the first. No, that would be anyway the second podcast I've ever guested on, like ever. Well, and you're a frequent guest, and we we enjoy having you on the show so much. Yeah, in fact, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I am one of the guests on your number one most listened to episode, if I recall correctly, with The Thing. Yeah, The Thing was probably our most perfect show and um, perfect in so many ways. But, it, you know, I always post our top 10 because you're in our group chat, but um, it's by 100 downloads, the number one. Uh, but, you know, because the second is, Halloween kills and it's it's a huge margin. So you were on there. You were on quite a few of our um top tens. Yes, I'm very special. As all my you listeners, are. who knows? Uh no. Um it's it's actually pretty cool too, because Halloween Kills is a newer movie. So it's mm-hmm. gonna have a different reach than maybe an older movie, even though the thing is like one of the greatest movies that ever lived. So, you know. Yeah, you know, we basically spent the episode trying to find something wrong with it, and we couldn't. I think we agreed on that one. Yeah i I would say the only thing wrong with that movie is that it ends. Right. <laughs> it's it's so great. It's so rewatchable. It's just it's always good every time, whatever mood you're in. You know, one of those. The fun the fun fact about the thing for me is I've seen it in just about every format possible. So I've seen it. In 70 millimeter, 35 millimeter, Blu-ray, DVD, VHS, the TV version. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I thought you brought a lot to that conversation. And I thought it was really, really interesting. I'm like, yeah, this is the stuff that no one else could bring to the table. So that was, uh, you added quite a bit to that conversation. So how many episodes have you guys gotten right now in the can for your show? Uh, That's not been released or in general? Just in general. Uh, we're in the hundreds. I don't count because I just do like seasons. I know we're in season five, which is weird because we've been doing it for three years, but I just do the seasons however I want. But I know we're in episode like 35 of season five. And uh, yeah, so we're in the hundreds, like at least 200 something episodes. So how, from the very first episode to now, how has it changed? What's What has made it the show it is today versus when you first started? Well, when we first started, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I'm just one of those people that just jumps in. And so if you listen to our season one, we did general episodes. So like, um, you know, everybody got to pick, you know, the episode would be about uh, jump scares. And like you pick five of your favorite jump scare movies and each of us would do that. And obviously we've we've added people and subtracted people along the way that kind of went on to do other projects. But now we just do single titles. We found that... uh, sometimes a movie would come up in season one that we wanted to talk about a lot. And so we switched in uh, first episode of season two um, into single titles and we just kind of like that better. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very relaxed show. That's one thing that is still true about it. Uh, but we don't do the generals anymore because like a general topic, all these movie titles come up and we want to just talk about all of them. And that would be like a five hour long show. So we started being like, well, we just got to devote one one movie. 
that actually is funny because I've known a couple of shows that started off broad and it got more specific as they went on based off of like how they wanted to go about doing it. And it's interesting too, because when I was, and I've talked about this before, but when I wanted to do my own podcast for fun, I was like, what am I going to do? And I was like, I didn't necessarily want it to be the, the one that did just like one movie and just, you know, talk about it. Cause there's plenty of podcasts that will do it much better than me. But uh, that's where I was like, you know, if I talk to people, it could be specific enough, you know, where it's not just general, but also, but not just focus on one thing. So that's why I think my show has worked out pretty good so far by having yeah, that. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a good idea. And I think it works best if you don't have a lot of people. And that was sort of what we ran into is there's always, I think we started out with five and we fluctuated. I think there's, you know, in general, seven of us. Um, but we've gotten to the point where everybody's kind of picking and choosing their shows, so they're getting a little smaller again, which is kind of nice. Um, it can be a madhouse. And, uh, you know, I, I do miss some of the general topics, but we just couldn't pull it off with all the people that we have. So when you have like a, a smaller show like this, where it's just, you know, you and I talking, yeah, we can we can bring in a lot of titles. So that's cool. And I think it needs to exist, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And the thing I like about your show, just in general, is that everybody is friends with each other and it oh, yeah, definitely cool. comes across absolutely in the, in the episodes. Who's, who's been on with you the longest? The original team um, was, well, out of that, Rob's still around, but he's not permanently on the show anymore. He does, you know, a couple of his own shows. And Sean has been there for every single episode, obviously my husband. So, cause I was like, I'm going to do a podcast and you're going to do it with me. Um, but uh, I'm still friends with uh, the, for the most part, I, I try to be friends with everybody, but uh, other people have gone to other pastures. Like we had Daniel and he comes, he comes on as a guest sometimes, but uh, mostly I would have to say Sean, Rob, are the ones that are still around from the original. Erica joined pretty quickly after that. So, and, and Nico, those two. Um, and then, uh, then we brought in Dave and then uh, by, and and Crystal would always kind of be there. And so we added Crystal as well. So that's the order. <laughs> yeah. The other great thing I like about the House of Screams too, is how it feels very diverse. So you're going to get different opinions. It's not just like two dude bros who are like, yeah, man, I know horror better than anyone. Like that, was that something that you consciously did or did you just happen to just be friends with all sorts of people? Um, it was sort of everything all at once. Uh, we're, we're friends, but we rarely agree. Even between, you know, Sean and I, we rarely agree on films. Um, so it was neat. And then people bring interesting stories. Okay, I was at a con and at this person. Or have you seen this movie that nobody talks about by this director? So everybody brings sort of something to the table. And that's what I, I like about that is that uh, we don't agree and everybody has their own special thing that they bring. All right. So what is so far been, and I think I know the answer to this one, but the most divisive horror movie that you guys have discussed? Because I know there's some movies that like you don't like that I know that other people do and vice versa. And I'm just kind of uh, curious my- how what that one is. Maybe Killer Clowns from Outer Space because I went into that angry. I didn't want to do it. And, uh, you know, and that was the night that we did one, a one-off thing where it was candy shitty reviews because I really don't like that film. And a lot of people were like, how could you not like Killer Clowns? You know, people like listeners are like, everybody else was right. And you were wrong, Candy. I'm like, what? That's your opinion. And that's cool. But um, that was, that was one. Um, Critters was another where we kind of, went around and around some of the freddy films. I was on that show. That was one I was yeah, on. Crit- yeah, that was one where I was I was another wet blanket on that show, but we kind of like went all over the place with that and we were not disagreeing on quite a bit, but in that disagreeing comes, you know, some understanding and and my mind has been changed by a lot of what people have said. You know, like I come out of that like with Intruder, which is you and Rob brought that to me and I was like this movie sucks, but as we talked about it I suddenly realized I, I liked it. 
and it was because you guys were brought something interesting, a different perspective. And I was like, now I'm a fan of that movie. So, you know, that's, that's a cool thing that can happen just in between all of us on the show is that we'll come out of it and be like, you know, I never thought about that. I never, or I've never seen this kind of movie or whatever. And so we all kind of come out of it with something and minds get changed or a new genre, like subgenre gets explored. And, and because I like movies in general, you know, I, I was like, how can I work in movies that aren't horror? So we found a way. And so it's cool sometimes just getting that break and, and talking about a non-horror film. Yeah, I, I just kind of brought that up because one of the things I like about having listened to your show is by having that conversation, you know, you that open conversation where everyone's respectful of each other, you can get a different understanding of some movies that you might not have appreciated, uh, which is sort of like the opposite of what I deal with on social media on a daily basis. Um, and it just sort of, I think that it's good to have a positive like uh, outlook, even if you don't like something to listen to another person. So that's sort of like my pitch on why people should listen to the house that screams. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And, you know, um, a lot of people kind of take that away from the show. And I'm really glad because, you know, there we've, there's the, that's one of the benefits of having so many people is, you know, there's going to be at least one person you agree with another person. You're going to learn something from another person. You're going to disagree with, you're going to get a lot of different things and some facts and some, you know, Hey, also check this out because we tend to bring up other movies in conjunction. So I like that. So I'm looking right behind you right now and you've got a Dawn of the Dead poster up and I know that you love George Romero. I do. And I just kind of want to ask what it is about George Romero that you love so much and why is he so important to you as a fan of or Well, I mean, sometimes, you know, you never forget your first. Uh, when I was six years old, my mom, you know, who's a big horror fan and she worked, uh, she was the manager of a video store. So I had this treasure trove of access to any film I wanted, but she showed me Night of the Living Dead when I was six and it horrified me. It scared me. It, it made me think it made me sad. And because it, George is really good at doing that. And that's what I learned because I saw Dawn of the Dead next and Dawn of the Dead is my favorite horror film. Um, not my favorite film overall, but my favorite horror film. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it, he has movies that stick with me, that make me think. And you care about the characters. You really go on a journey about the characters. It's not just about horror. You know, it was sort of like a precursor to what I think it elevated horror became. Like, it's not just about, you know, there's commentary in them. There's a depth. There's a, a caring about a storyline and, and a character's journey. And I, I think sometimes, you know, with horror, it's just like we don't care about the characters, their fodder for Jason or for whoever. And those can be fun, too. But I like to feel something I like to think. So as I went on this journey of watching all of his movies at a very young age, um, I just really I kept thinking about them. And I thought if if a director can manage to do that with all of his films, make a comment, make a statement in the conjunction of, of uh, like the horror confines, which are really actually, I think horror is the most open genre. You can tell any story, get any message. And he knew that early on, he was one of the first to really start making statements. So yeah, I, I have deep love for him because of that. When you first saw his movies and especially like Dawn of the Dead, did you, recognize that there was some deeper meanings or did you first think cool zombies and then when you got older you discovered more what he was trying to say um i think i got it even at six i knew um my mom she she was uh she's a very open person she's very you know would talk to my brothers and i about like deeper things you know a lot of uh, members of the LGBTQ community, which my brothers are, which I am, you know, now, but even as children, when we weren't really super aware, she would educate us. So, you know, and then, you know, the racial stuff, my mother was, you know, pointed that out to me, like, you know, 
this can be seen this way. And um, she was really good at that. She's very, very smart in, in um, pointing that out. So I was aware that, you know, how this could be taken, how it was taken. I, she was giving me history, um, you know, little lessons with these films and, and making me look around in the world. And so I was able to do that um, inside the films as well. And sometimes it's kind of right in your face, whether you understand completely or not. You're like, this isn't right. What's happening? It's not right. You know, um, with the racial tension, with uh, gender politics, whatever, you know, things like that. Yeah, I I have to say that it may have taken me a lot longer to understand uh, subtext or uh, you know the stories that they're trying to tell beyond just with the surface level stuff. I think uh, I was not really the <laughs> the most in tune child at that particular time, but I think I was just more into being scared. Um, but I think a lot of that for you is like you were saying it was from your from your mom. And your mom had a video store. Like that was something that you saw. Did she give you free reign, or did she did she yes. set rules? No, oh, free reign. Um, and I think that's interesting because um, when you look at somebody like Erica on our show, her parents very very strict religious, and they wouldn't let her do any horror. And now she's like into the most extreme, the most graphic, the most disturbing, and um. It, the way my mom parented me, she was a young mom. She had me at 17. So she, you know, it was kind of, you know, like you're going to hang out with me and watch these movies that I like, and we can talk about them, you know? So that's where my love of talking about films and discussing what else is going on in a film came from as a child. And I also, with my children who are now, I mean, I have a 22 year old, uh, my stepdaughter's 20 and my son is 15, but you know, I, I talk about the social commentary. I, I have these discussions with them and they have free reign as well. The free reign with my mom, you know, she was always like, you know, I'm going to let you do what you want, but you're going to, I'm going to guide you. So, you know, she was showing me return of living dead and nudity and all these you know things. And she's just like, I want you to understand that blah, blah, blah. So having a parent, you know, doing it with your parents, if you have that kind of parent, it really opens up your world and you're less likely to rebel because you have somebody sitting there with you like, this is fine. Um, the, the, the confines are not really there. I'm going to, I'm going to be there. So if you have questions, I can explain them. But um, I think limiting kids is, it's just not my, I don't recommend it. I, I talked to some people who are younger and they talk about how they don't watch a lot of stuff that young. Or there, or like even adults who are just like, oh, I can't believe I watched that movie when I was that young. And I think the difference, and you you were you were talking about it just now, is to have somebody to talk to about what you just saw. Because like when I was growing up, I watched a lot of horror movies and stuff, obviously. Because um, my parents also just kind of let me do my thing, but they I never really talked to them about it, you know. And I I wonder what kind of my appreciation to various worldly things I might have understood sooner if I would have approached them and talked to them about this stuff or whatnot. And that is something that you kind of preached to your kids when they were growing up. Oh yeah. Like, and the thing is, is, you know, the, the whole controversy that's been around for quite some time got really big in the eighties with satanic panic. But when I was a kid, but, um, because I'm old um <laughs> but uh you know it was just sort of like oh that's gonna make the children violent and they're gonna be degenerates and they're gonna do drugs and you know what like I think I turned out okay and my kids are you know my daughter's on a scholarship at a prestigious art school you know they, they got good grades they never you know were, were out doing drugs or anything they knew that their parents were parental but you know accepting understanding um, and I think that goes a long way. And it, and if you have that kind of openness, it does make you a different person. Did you also watch non-horror stuff when you were a kid growing up? Absolutely. Um, a lot of people, I, I, I try to squeeze it into the house that screams as much as I can, but, um, I, 
I have two genres that I'm kind of specifically uh, educated in, and that would be horror, of course. And the other is classic films. So I love, and I have all this knowledge of classic films, you know, pre-code, you know, 30s, 40s, you know, going on. Um, so I, I introduce people to classic films all the time. And my first experiment with that, because um, I had to do a horror one for the House of Screams, but I picked The Bad Seed, which is an odd choice. But I'm like, I'm going to see if this is something people might also be interested in because it's an important classic film, but it is important in horror as well, psychological horror. And it did phenomenal. And I was so happy because that classic movie buff in me was really excited as well. I got to sort of mix and and do both. But yeah, classic movies are my other go-to. And that's probably a lot to do with having access to different movies, I would assume. Or... Yeah, my mom, you know, she had the free rentals. Um, and so on the weekends, she would hand me a bag and let, let me fill it up. So I would go through the horror section, which in the 80s, it was like you know, three, four rows. And I would go on to work at five different video stores later on. I mean, I was just sort of the movie queen. But um, but she'd give me a bag and just let me pick whatever I wanted. I'd mostly fill it up with horror, but I'd grab a couple... And, and she'd say, you know, I recommend, hey, we need to watch, you know, Gone with the Wind or something. And um, it's weird when you surpass the master because my mom had all this movie knowledge. And then it was just I was the movie person. And I was like, hey, mom, you need to watch this. And so, yeah, I, I free reign completely. That's that's pretty cool that the student became the teacher at some point uh, <laughs> that you were you're like, hey, mom, check this movie out that I saw. You know, and right. I, that I think that's probably one of the reasons why you guys are close, just from having that sort of uh, thing that you two shared in common. You know. Yeah, I mean, and it it shaped how I was as a parent when I became one. You know, what I was going to do with my kids as far as exposing them to media. I don't force, but you know, my son was a little slower coming to horror. Uh, my daughter was right in there. Um, they're both, they both have horror themed names. Uh, but, uh, you know, my son was a little slower, so I'm still educating him. But like right now, he just saw American Psycho for the first time. And he's 15. And he is just like, wow. And then, you know, getting to explain the commentary to him and show. And, and, and with your kids, you can kind of re-experience through their eyes. And you're like, wow, that's really cool. And, and add some stuff to it. And then they they get really into these films and uh, you know, I'm just glad that I was able to carry that, that torch on. Did you also have to explain to him Huey Lewis in the news? <laughs> I did. Um, yeah. And he, I mean, he's a good listener and my kids like soak this stuff up and you know, when other people talk to my kids, they're kind of like, they talk like they, they're like, you know, worldly and they know all these things and they, they, you know, ever since my son was, you know, once he hit like grade school, he's like, he talks like an adult. I'm like, he's seven years younger than his sister. So he's surrounded by adults and, you know, we're pretty worldly. We don't hold back, but we do explain. And so, uh, yeah, so he, so he knows about Huey Lewis in the news and then his best friends over a lot too. So he gets that knowledge. And then, you know, just, I'm hoping that they'll carry that torch one day as well with their children. I personally just hope that he listens to Huey Lewis in the news now and it drives me nuts. That's just kind of what I... <laughs> yeah, there's some music where I'm like, okay, but earbuds, because, you know, mostly we agree on music and he is a musician. Um, but, uh, yeah, sometimes I'm like, no, that's an earbud thing. Mom can't handle Huey Lewis in the news. I went through that in the 80s and I'm not going through it again. But it is so funny that it's, you know, he's that that music, he's kind of in that yacht rock, you know, the, the music in American Psycho is like the stuff that I hated in the 80s growing up. You know, and That's I'm hearing stuff it. I, listen like, to oh. now. <laughs> I mean, I still like my 80s music, but I was really into like glam metal. And so it was like Motley Crue and Kiss and things like that. And, um, you know, so the, the music that is portrayed in uh, American Psycho and he'll be like, oh, that's a cool song. I'm like, no, it's not. But okay. Glad so, you like it. Well, so he's into music, and you're into movies. And I, I know you like music, obviously. But what? Oh yeah, I was. How did he get I into music? Um, well, his parents who are both musicians. I'm a classically trained vocalist, 
um, play guitar. And um, his dad was in quite a few band, metal bands and he's, he's a vocalist and play guitar. So my son is like, he, I mean, he shreds on guitar and he plays bass. And so, you know, so for him, it's like, he gets these like double things. So for, he gets to see a cool movie, he gets to maybe find a song he wouldn't have never heard otherwise and add to his repertoire as a musician. Do you ever wonder if what, like how he would get into music and movies if you weren't also into those things? You know, because I talk to my guests a lot about how young people become movie geeks or movie fans. And it's just fascinating to me because like, I feel like now it's a lot easier and harder to get into movies like than when I was it a kid. Is. I mean, well, we didn't have social media. I don't know how old you are. I'm 43, but you know, I'm we didn't have social you. media. Um, oh my God. For once, there's somebody older than me. No, Dave's older than me. But um, yeah, I just turned 43. Uh, but, uh, you know, we didn't have social media. It was sort of like it had to come to you organically. You had to hear it on the radio or it had to come on HBO or something like that. Or if you had a parent like mine, my mom was introducing me like, you need to see Rosemary's Baby. You need to see this. Um, check out this film that she liked. And maybe I'm not crazy about it, but it led me to another film that I was. And, uh, you know, so it, I, I think you're right. It is easier. It is harder. There's a lot more access to films. But um, younger people, if they don't have anybody to point them in a different direction, they kind of get caught up in just what's new or, you know, there's a lot of 90s nostalgia. And I thought 90s was kind of a dry spell in horror, but except for a few examples, but like mostly it's like Scream and I know you did last summer and I would just want to blow my brains out over those movies. They're so stupid. I don't like any of those. But, uh, you know, but we also got Candyman in the 90s. So there's there was some good stuff, but. You know, um, I, I try to introduce, like, you know, with my son, both musically and with movies, I'm like, hey, check this out. You may like it, you may not, but I want you to check out this band that you're probably never going to hear about unless I bring it up. He's not going to stumble across Kiss because, you know, they're they're there, but, like, you know, they're, they're not on the radio. They're not, you know, and who listens to the radio anyway? Now everybody has Spotify, so you pick what you listen to. And not too many people explore outside of what they already do. So um, so it's it's easy to, like, find other things if you feel like looking. It's not put before you. You're not stuck with only a couple options, you know? Uh, where did you grow up? What uh, state? Um, My hometown. I still um, live here. I live in the suburbs now, but uh, I grew up in Indianapolis. And uh, the thing is, is like people, uh, because I studied English, they're like, you don't sound like you're from the Midwest. You sound like West Coast. And I'm like, because I, I don't like the way Hoosiers talk. And people are like, oh, well, it's farmland. I'm like, no, Indianapolis is a huge city. I'm, I'm a city girl. You know, it was very urban, um, you know, semi hip for a red state. And, uh, you know, there's there was a. Uh, there was a lot of cool things to do. I think at one point we had the biggest IMAX theater, you know, when they, that first came out, things like that. Um, so yeah, Indianapolis. Did, did you have TV at home? Uh, obviously you had a television because how are you watching VHS tapes? But uh, did you also watch and discover movies through the antenna, through cable? Like, um, Yeah, some of them. Um we, my mom made sure we had cable mostly. I mean, we were, I grew up in poverty. I was very, very poor up until really, um, I got married. I mean, um, I just lived in poverty, so we couldn't afford HBO, but we, you know, cause you'd get the cable package, but HBO was extra. Even back then when you, you remember those little cable things where it had the slider <laughs> that was the cable box. Yeah. Um, so but, but HBO would do like a free weekend and I would watch every single movie they showed, even the crap. But mostly this was my mom working in a video store. You know, she'd take me up there and I just kind of could, you know, we always had VCRs so I could grab whatever I wanted and watch it however many times I wanted to. And back then, what's really, really cool, and there are books out about it now, um, was the VHS cover art was such an iconic thing from the 80s. And just going and picking something based on a cover, 
and you may hate that movie or it may be your favorite thing next, you know? And I just, uh, I wish that was still a thing. I wish we, we still had that kind of discovery out there because now it's not that important. Yeah, I, that was a, a good point you brought up because, uh, you know, I, I just, come, well, first, I, I am always fascinated about what television people watch growing up because, like, where I was in Chicago, like, I had, like, Channel 66, for example, and they would always show, like, Samurai Sunday would be martial arts, and that's how I discovered martial arts, you know, and they've got the stuff that's, like, always on, you know. Like, nowadays, you kind of have to choose what you want. Like, there are no linear channels, even though they're trying to kind of bring that back with, like, Pluto and stuff. But I don't know if kids are doing that. No. But, uh, I mean, I, I put on Pluto quite a bit because, like, I'll get ready to I'm – a, I'm a big nap taker. So I'll go in there and put on, like, the Pluto, like, Rift Track channel. But um, the kids don't do that. They um, pop in. You know, they're big into anime or whatever. You know, and so watching how they do things. Um, and discover things is very interesting because it's such a different experience than what we did. Um, you know, I, I had basic cable. I had, um, you know, uh, local channels that would sometimes, you know, late at night. There was a horror host, one of my, and he was really amazing from from Indianapolis. And uh, his son does it now, but his name is Sammy Terry. And if you notice, um, there's in every time we redo our intro there's always a laugh track at the beginning and it's a, like a spooky laugh. It's from Sammy Terry, the local horror host. So it's late Saturday night. You're going to get all these B horror films and sometimes um, whatever universal classic they may have gotten their hands on for a minute. And so I got to see some, some off the wall shit that I never would have come across, but you know, kids now it's just sort of like, they just have to go exploring, but rarely do they. It's rare. Yeah, we got we we did luck out by having horror hosts. Like that was something that, like we got Joe Bob on Shutter, and Shutter's very popular. But like you don't, and get you know, you know how I feel about stuff. Joe Bob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you like him a little bit, I think. Yeah, when he read my letter on the um, Valentine's special, that was the one I gave to him at the first jamboree. I was talking about how you know basic cable back when I was uh, a senior in high school, uh, Monster Vision was on TNT and I was saying how, you know, basically saved my life. I was going through uh, some mental health problems and I would just, I would tape the show and just rewatch it throughout the week waiting for a new one. But, you know, I saw some horror films that one, I, I never wanted to watch again, but some of them became really beloved to me and having that commentary. The cool thing about a horror host is they talk about the film, you know, and Joe Bob, you know, he's funny, but he, um, he talks about the film, you know, and, and issues within the film or, you know, a funny anecdote. And uh, that that's something that uh, I, I, I'm glad that there are new generations through Shudder discovering Joe Bob. Joe Bob's a, you know, he's a grandfather type age, but he's still Thank out you. there doing his thing. And I'm my kids watch it and I'm like, see, this is good. This is a cool thing. We can share this. And you're learning things. You're seeing a movie you would never have seen. Oh yeah, that's what I do like about like uh, Joe Bob versus like so I grew up with Svenguli and Svenguli is more of like a comedian kind of thing. Um, yeah, so we were neighbors. I mean, because Svenguli, Chicago, you know, um, Chicago is two hours away from us. I mean, I go to Chicago frequently for stuff, but um, Svenguli is now uh, nationwide through MeTV, which is a good thing. Yeah, I finally got figured out how to get me tv here in colorado so and then and then of course i for, i always something to do so i always, don't always watch but i'm like i had to have me tv because if i'm available and they're gonna show something cool i'll watch it it's kind of like a thing from home that makes me feel pretty oh, yeah. good um, absolutely but something you brought up a minute ago is the vhs covers like you you said you watch you kind of observe like you like like how your son will discover something whatever does how does he have you uh noticed how he discovers a movie chooses it is it similar to us or um, different a little bit similar a little bit different it's kind of a mix because sometimes uh a friend will have seen something 
and and what's really big with the kids when they were in middle school was watching the kill counts on like that beat or whatever um so they've seen the kill counts of, of movies that they hadn't seen and i'm like you what the hell guys let's just watch the damn movie so i'll pop it in you know i'm like don't watch the kill counts you're 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 missing the experience you know but sometimes it's word of mouth through school like oh my god you know you know, I, I, I heard this movie's like really, really good or scary, you know, Malignant was really big. And, uh, you know, my son was, was a super fan. Um, and it was so cool just to be like, okay, yeah, you know, I've already seen it, but let's, let's watch this together that you discovered that, you know, or, or he comes across things like sinister on his own because I'm not the biggest fan of it, but, um, you know, because he started to dig a little bit. So there, there is sort of a mix. The word of mouth thing still exists. I mean, it, and we can consider social media an extension of that word of mouth. Um, yeah, so, you sure. know, I, I think, you know, kids do still talk to each other about stuff. And usually it's about something, a teaser trailer or a random tweet they saw. And then they get to talking and then they want to see the film. And so that's our version of like, oh my God, my parents rented this and they wouldn't let me watch it. But when they went to sleep, I popped it in and blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I look through Netflix a lot or Tubi or whatever. And a lot of times I'm just like, this is not a good VHS cover. Like, I'm like, this is fine for your streaming service. But like, I remember... Yeah, but VHS covers are art. Yeah, I, I remember the VHS covers that lit up or moved or made noises and stuff i mean that that stuff was just great it was really cool it was my mom again video store is getting the promo stuff i remember when child's play um the first one came out and uh you know so they do this promo marketing for you know when it comes to home video because home video was a big deal it was so huge in the 80s and in the 90s but my mom came home with these Chucky dolls because it, you know, the the company had sent along with the copies for rent, you know, these Chucky dolls. So I had this Chucky doll forever. I had a whole bunch of full moon stuff. Um, I remember when Demonic Toys came out, I had the Jack in the Box because they would just, you know, they wanted everybody to make a big deal about it and and hopefully display these things or do something fun with it within the video store. But um, yeah, there there were some amazing gimmicks um, and and fun stuff and. I remember uh, renting some movies that I really don't like just because the cover art was fucking amazing. And then to come home and be disappointed, but I was like, damn, you know, it was sort of a letdown, but sometimes you found a gem. And just the cover art alone can make me feel a certain way, a nostalgia, a love, even if I'm not crazy about the movie. And now they have books out with that are collections of some of the VHS art. It's just such a, um, I think people now um, in our generation are like, man, we missed that. Let's bring it back. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I had a book like that, but then I gave it to somebody else. Um, there, are, It just reminds me right now that there were two movies, and I worked at a video store. It was Blockbuster, so it's not that exciting. But I worked at a, well, I worked at Blockbuster too, but yeah, it, but Mom and Pops it's the are, way the, to go. are the way to go. Yeah. But, there are two movies that I always saw the cover for. I'm like, okay, I'm going to rent it, but I never did. And to this day, I haven't seen them. And I feel like I should just see them just so I can complete them. One was Gondosaurus yeah, like Rex. List. You heard <laughs> of this one? Gondosaurus no. Rex. Yeah, it's, it looks like a claymation dinosaur protecting a weed farm or something. I don't know. But it just looked <laughs> really crazy. dopey. And then the other one was uh, Blue Monkey, just because it's called Blue Monkey. But it's like a a monster in a hospital movie. Ever heard of Blue Monkey? Oh, okay. I have not. Wow, two movies that I have brought up I have not seen that you've never heard of. Yeah, and I I've got a slew of some that I just tell people about and uh they're like, I have never heard of that movie. I'm like, it had the sweetest art on the cover. And I remember Monkey Shines and that's I mean that's a Romero film. But the cover of it was so intriguing to me with the you know the monkey with the symbols and you know like oh this is going to be spooky you know like i look there's some cover art that is just amazing obviously people have heard of monkey shines but i'm trying to think of one off the top of my head that i would bring up and people are like what are you even talking about but it'll yeah. one will come to me there, there are so many that, that i was like that like how i saw hard rock zombies in the 80s was uh the cover 
I grabbed it and I was like, I like hard rock. I like zombies. Oh, that movie. Oh, no. I wouldn't inflict that on anybody. I mean, we did an episode pretty early on about it. And people were like, I love this movie. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah, there's it a lot of fans of schlock. I like schlock, but there's a limit. There's a limit. But, you know, I, that's the thing is, is all these differing opinions out there. Like, that's fine. At least people are talking about it. Oh, for sure. And there are some movies that I think about that I knew of back then that I finally have just gotten around to now that I'm like, how would I have responded to this particular movie back then versus now? But like recently I just watched surf Nazis must die. Oh, okay. It's a trauma movie. And yeah, uh, I, I saw a lot of trauma and a lot of full moon because um, the screeners they would send screeners to the video stores trying to get people to buy them for rent. And so I had a ton of screeners from Troma and Full Moon. And I've seen a lot of Troma. Yeah, Full Moon was cool too. Because they had their video zones after the movie. And I loved the video zones. Yeah. So you can actually get some of those now. There's some fun movies in there with Full Moon. Um, And some I actually really, really like. I mean, I love Demonic Toys. I mean... I know what it is, and it's it's not a great movie, but I loved it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it just it grew on me, and I can't defend it in any way except for just like I I had fun with it. You know. The, trauma uh, not trauma. The full moon movie that I watched last couple years ago, that I really liked, was the Pit and the Pendulum with Lance Henriksen. Yep. That's actually a legit great movie in my opinion they had and, a couple there was there was one it had seth green um peter billingsley who played ralphie in um a christmas story uh had a really great cast and it was kind of like they were doing this virtual reality thing which was like a big selling point because virtual reality was like oh my god this futuristic thing and you know, people were all about that, but it was like a early '90s thing, and it was actually a really great movie. I think it's called Arcade. Arcade. So if you yeah, haven't seen that I one, it's a great full moon. Right. Full moon movie. If you want to check one out, that's really good. That's another one. Well, I think for me, one of the reasons why Pitt works is just because it's um, Stuart Gordon from Chicago, who uh, I think is a very underrated. I feel like he's been forgotten about as the masters of horror. For some reason, uh, probably yeah, he doesn't I mean, have that one. Like everyone knows, Reanimator and From Beyond, but he's a very interesting right. character. I mean, I love him. I I like his work, and uh, I mean, I'm a huge uh, fan of Reanimator. As you know, I, I got to meet um, Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton earlier this year, and um, I had them signed very specifically in bright green on my reanimator poster you know some uh, reference to rufus and and jeffrey combs i was like can you do the note cat dead details later and he actually made it look like a sticky note and you know so yeah that that's an underrated director for sure i totally agree though yeah um a lot of it for me too is beyond him being good it's just i always like the chicago guys like john mcnaughton is another Chicago yeah, you gotta, guy. You gotta support your, your your team, you know, your hometown, your, your people. Um, we don't have a lot of cool stuff from indie, but um, you know, whenever there's uh, some kind of connection, you get excited. Like, you know, Stephen King grew up here. You know, he was yeah. he was a Hoosier, and then you know ended up in Maine. But that's um, probably why you know. he's so messed up. It's because he's from Indiana, <laughs> right? <laughs> um. Yeah, he was from northern Indiana. And so, like, I like when you uh, read, like, some of his uh, memoir stuff, like, on writing is sort of a, his how-to writing, but in his own style. So it has a lot of autobiographical stuff. And, yeah, you know, being from Indiana will fuck you up. Yeah, I, I know that from some friends that grew up there. They're a little crazy. And I, I'm still here. I moved away a couple times in Texas. I've moved. You know, all different states because I'm like I don't want to be here. It's not cool, and I always end up back here. So we got Halloween coming up uh, in a few days from when this is dropping. So I gotta know what are some of your traditions that you do for Halloween? Because I know some people who are like, 
I love horror all year round. We're going to take a break. And then I know some people are like, I love horror. I'm going all out. So where are you lie on that? Well, every year we always watch Creepshow 1 and Creepshow 2 every year. That's a tradition that goes back before my kids were born. So their whole lives we've watched Creepshow 1 and 2 um, when they were age appropriate. Like, I mean, when they were little toddlers, I did protect them. But like once they got to, a, you know, an age where we could have conversations about things they could understand a little better. Um, I was like, yeah, Creepshow's fine. You know, it's a little scary, you know, when you're a kid. But then, you know, later on you just do it out of the so it's always creep show for us and then this year i've decided to add poltergeist because my son's never seen the poltergeist movies and i i I love the first two so um we're gonna do that as well yeah poltergeist uh i talk about that movie a lot in my show just because it was one of the first like real scary movies that i watched so that's a good movie to add to the uh the pile you know yeah my daughter's seen them but um and is equally terrified of the second one, like I am. Um, but, you know, I watched these as a kid. And um, I, I remember the, in the first Poltergeist movie, so the part where the guy's like pulling off his face, like that yep. freaked me out. But uh, in a good way, you know, one of those like, because I'm a horror fan, so it freaked me out. And then I became obsessed with it. Like, let's watch it again, you know, and, and just seeing that in my kids. I mean, um, so I'm excited to introduce that to my son. He's, in his intro phase obviously evil dead was first because his name is ash um i named him ash for ashley j williams uh in evil dead but yeah do you know in colorado they started doing bruce campbell fest every november and it's so freaking expensive i i knew it would be and i've met him once and i need a reboot because i was I, I have, you know, my candy's awkward celebrity encounters that we inject into the show. But every time I meet somebody, I do something awkward. And it's really, really funny. But um, I'd love to go. But, uh, you know, one, the trip to Colorado is pretty far from here. And then the expenses when you get there, when you do these cons, I mean, you've got to go armed with, you know, $1,000 in cash. And you've got to, you know, and, and then there's the, the travel expenses, you know, because I travel for cons. So it's something I'd probably end up doing at some point because I'm such a big Bruce Campbell fan. Well, my wife said if they're doing it next year, we should just do it. We should just do it. So if you can How? make it out we, next we'll year. Up, you know, we'll plan it out because Sean and I love to travel. So we we could go and, and do it. It's it's This is actually a pretty funny story real quick because I like telling it. Is you know, My wife's a huge Bruce Campbell fan. And when she was younger, her and her sister kind of went on whatever his like Midwest signing tour was. So they're driving down and they see him walking across the street and they like, like, we got to get an autograph or whatever. And they almost hit him trying to park. Oh, no. She runs out. She's like, you know, wearing like pajama pants and her hair's all crazy. And she's like, Bruce, can I have your autograph? And he'll, he'll just looks her over and goes, no. And walks away. <laughs> and then later on at the actual signing, you know, she, she goes to get a thing out signed. He, he looks up, looks at her, is like, well, you clean up well. <laughs> and that's so. how he is. And, you know, and when you read his books, um, he talks about, you know, sort of, one, he's, he talks so loud. He's a really loud guy. Um, but he, he's like, you know, my fans you know, they, they kind of expect me at this point to say something sarcastic or whatever. So I, I fulfill that. So he's, you know, he hurt my feelings, but, you know, he was just doing his shtick as Bruce Campbell because I put on too much lotion on my hands and I, he's like, what is all over you? Just, you know, loud voice. And everybody's laughing at me. It felt like the cat had seen in Evil Dead too. So, yeah, I was going to be all like, mm. you know, tell him this heartwarming story about my, my son's name is Ash and blah, 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 blah. And then I couldn't speak after that. I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, my God. Oh well, my next God. time you yeah, him, I, just leave the lotion at home. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's a nervous tick. I want my hands to be soft. So I sure. always have, I'm always putting on lotion. And I overdid it. Hey, this so, actually yeah. reminds me, um, changing subjects uh, out of the blue like I normally do on my show. You were talking about lotion. And you have a the line of cosmetics right final girl cosmetics you got you're still doing that 
Yes. Um, actually, that. we, um, it's Erica and I, obviously from the show. Um, Erica is one of my best friends. And um, that's, we, we grew to be friends through the show, actually. But we co-own um, a horror-based makeup company. We've done a lot of fun stuff. Um, it's, uh, we do mainly like, you know, really cool, like eyeshadow collections. Like we have a slasher palette. You know, like, and, and the colors are like Freddy, Jason, you know, and, and these really fun combinations. We did a Wishmaster sort of uh, color for one, and Andrew Devoff was, was uh, I have a picture of him, like, pointing to it and pulling it up. But we rebranded, uh, not rebranded, but we decided not to do Etsy because they're kind of screwing over profits for people, for small businesses, and we decided to put all of our effort and our money into our own website and trademarking and everything else. And we're working on getting some licensing for official um, things, but we're going to go like really wild with them, like Frank Hennenlotter or, you know, Bill Lustig from like Maniac and Maniac Cop and things like that. So um, yeah, we're final girl cosmetics dot makeup right now. We're um, doing a giveaway um, which should still be going on maybe when this episode drops. Um, but if you go to my Instagram at Candy the Final Girl um, or at the Final Girl Cosmetics, both of those on Instagram, you will find the giveaway and you can win some of our lipsticks. They're like topped with skulls and um, people love our lipsticks because they don't budge. But Eric and I love our skincare and, and, and beauty products, but we haven't ventured on to skincare. We mainly just do really wild like you're not going to find basic colors you're going to find wild stuff what what gave you guys the idea to go into it i mean i just assume you enjoy makeup but what is it about uh getting your love of that out to out to other people like what was the well i um i work with some cosmetic companies and i'm very bougie about my skincare about my makeup and so in working with some bigger names that you can't really throw out there at this moment, you will, you can find some of that information on my Instagram, but, um, and, and I do some stuff behind the scenes for some of these companies. Uh, and Maquillage is one. I will, I will throw that one out. Um, but I've done it as St. Laurent as well. Just big, big names. But I was like, you know what? I, I hate these bronze colors and these boring, you know, topes and beiges. I want, bright green like neon reanimator green eyeliner i would like to have my lips the color blue from you know brain damage or something like that and it's not widely available except around halloween time when the bigger companies the big box companies as i call them do them so i was like i'm gonna do it myself that's how i am i'm very jump right in and so I started it and Erica was very supportive. So I brought her in and then we co-run it now and we love designing and just doing the weirdest things. And it's available year round. You can look like uh, what people would consider, you know, like Halloween makeup. And, oh, it's all here for us. And we want to be able to provide that. And so a lot of people are just like, this is so fun. I can buy green lipstick in July, you know, to wear to this event or something. You know? Yeah, I think horror fans especially those that identify as women um i think it makes i would think it would make me feel better that somebody is looking out for me all year round you know what i mean as opposed to like well it's like they're doing it around halloween again because they really just don't care about me but they just want my money and i think that's actually pretty cool that you do that you know for just all the time well, and the thing is, is like this time of year is when you think that we would do the best business, but actually for small businesses and we, we, you know, are in conjunction with a couple of other um, horror small businesses, all, they're all female run. So we're kind of like a group of, we just work together. Um, but this time of year, we all suffer because the big box companies, the big brands, they put out all their, you know, black lipstick and their stuff that they don't sell all year round and they take all of our business so the rest of the year we do better but halloween is when we um none of us make any money the small businesses because yeah, the big businesses the steal it yeah but for the rest of the year being able to you know somebody you know wants to or, or this is how they like to dress because me like when i do my makeup 
I don't do a basic look. I go all out. I, you know, fake lashes and, you know, sparkly green and, and mixed with a, you know, a crazy purple. And, you know, I dress like that all the time. And there are a lot of um, men and women who do that all year and want that. It's a, it's a, you know, basically a need, a supply and demand thing. There is a, a, a demand for it and we supply it. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people just love to be able to, um, oh, what's the word I wanted to use? Sometimes my vocabulary is real bad when I need it, but I need a good word, but you like, they want to like show off and show them their true selves and whatnot. And sometimes it allows them to kind of do that, you know? Uh, so I think that's, that's really cool. Something that I wanted to make sure I talked to you guys, talk to you about, because I like the idea. And have you ever gone to like a convention as gone in a booth and stuff to do that kind of thing? Well, we spent all of our capital because we, we um, are at the point where we're not really turning a profit because everything gets reinvested. So we don't have the money because those booths are hundreds of dollars for a con. So once we start recouping and, and getting more sales, like we have a huge uh, collection out for Andre Iskanov, uh, the Russian horror director, um, who is um, Erica's friend as well. Um, but uh, we have a huge collection out for him with like lip glosses and blush, and it has this huge, you know, makeup thing. Uh, uh, um, eyeshadows. I think there's like uh, 24 colors. But um, so we do these collections, but we're just trying to get ahead enough to where we can do something like that. We'd love to. We'd love to be able to keep that kind of stock. We'd love to be able to, you know, right now we're just, when we started, the, we went to our own website. We basically started over because it took everything that we had pro- previously made uh, to do that. So, yeah, it's kind of like a paycheck to paycheck business right now. Yeah. And it's it's not even paying the bills. We're in the red. Well, the good news is you can Google Fargo Cosmetics and you're the first thing that pops up. So, you know, that's good. Like if someone's that's looking amazing. for I'm that stuff. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, so, uh, so I mean, this will be in the show notes and all that good stuff. But I implore everybody who is into makeup, check them out and buy some stuff because you'll look pretty rad. And even if it's you know, and if you're male and you don't wear makeup, but you know that you're, you know, a significant other or you have a friend who would love this stuff, we we have never had anybody say, "Oh, we don't like your product." Like they're like, "Oh my god, this is so fun." And it's, it's so it's, we get a lot of people that buy them as gifts for like a girlfriend who's in the horror. And, you know, we have a collaboration with Ghoulie Pop Shop, who Joelle has done our show quite a bit, um, you know, and she makes earrings. So we have the Candy Final Girl collection, which has earrings and uh, eyeshadow. And so we're just we're trying to branch out and do quite a bit of things, um, add accessories and, and just fun stuff. That is that's really cool. And, and I have been on the show when uh, when you've you know and you've always have a different like pal, uh makeup on and stuff it always looks awesome so and i only know. i exclusively wear our makeup um as far as you know my eye looks uh my eyelash a lot because I, I almost always wear false lashes so um, i don't really have any good lashes but uh you know, um, yeah, so you've seen that, you know, Eric and I both really could like to go extreme with that stuff, but, you know, um, there are people who just really enjoy just some of the colors, and, and they're always horror-themed names, you'll get the references. It's, it's, some of the fun is just getting the references that we're making, so. Uh, so, um, I don't know, I've lost my train of thought. So we got Halloween coming up, folks. Uh, yes. in a few days, uh, want to make sure I wish you a happy Halloween and all my listeners, a happy Halloween. And if you're listening from to me this, as well, and if you're listening to this after Halloween, I hope you had a good Halloween. But uh, I definitely thank you for coming on the show. Uh, it was really cool to talk to you, hear about you know your relationship with your mom and the video stores and the movies you love. And, and I can't wait to come back onto your show. Yeah, we are getting back on track um, after our longest break ever um, from the show. So um, we have exciting things coming up, including uh, 
the house by the cemetery is going to be after Tenebrae. So uh, yeah, we've got exciting things and I'm just, I'm glad you're part of our friend group. I'm glad you're part of our chat. As you see, we talk about everything. That's, we don't just talk about the show. We, we mostly talk about everything else. We're just friends and I'm glad to have you as a friend. Yeah, me too. And, you know, it was, uh, I'm very lucky that Rob was like, invited me on and you guys were like super cool and i felt like immediately a part of the group and i think that was made me feel pretty good that's why i come back on because i mean if you didn't make me feel like i was part of the group i would have been like ah no but i love i love the show i listen to it even when i'm not on it and i hope everyone that's listening to the show also gives them a shot if they're not already listening to it now so thank you for being on i really appreciate that all right. Well, oh, thank ha- you for having me. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you.